Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to the Grow Landscapers podcast. The podcast where we delve deeper into landscape business, interviewing legends of the UK landscaping industry. So, join host Nick Ruddle as he explores their thoughts, insights and experiences. That's here on the Grow Landscapers podcast. Hi and welcome to the Grow Landscapers podcast. I'm Nick Ruddle and today we're privileged to have someone who's very well known and respected in the industry, former Barley chairman, Mr. Paul Downer from Oakview Landscapes. How are you today, Paul? I'm very well, Nick. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. And, uh, you know, we've been working together now since, what, 2013. And, and I know that you've won loads of awards, but I did have a little look on the website and uh, I was blown away. I mean, how many awards have there been? I mean, they've been Bali, they've been Pro Landscape, Essex Business Awards, Investors in People accreditation. There's so many things on there. If someone wants to go to your website to have a look, it's pretty impressive. Do you know how many you've won there? Uh, I think we've lost count now. We're, we're well into double figures, Nick. But um, as you've touched on there, we're pleased that they're, they're not just for doing good landscaping and actually what you do on the ground. We've now won a number of uh, employer excellence and business awards mm-hmm. on top of landscaping awards, which I think says a lot about the team and the, and the culture and, and what the business is about. So that's very important to us. Yeah, absolutely. So many of them. And um, yeah, it's not just great at what you do, but great at running a business as well. So um, let's go back to where it all began. Then where, how long did you, did you, have you been in the industry? Where did it all start for you? I've been in the industry all my life, actually, Nick. I was brought up on a farm in Berkshire and always had a passion for landscaping. So believe it or not, um, 37 years now when I totted it up. Um, So a long time. But it's gone quickly. Yeah, that's the trouble. It does go too quick. Time flies, flies when you're having fun, though, doesn't it? So, um, so what would you say um, made you go into business for yourself then? Um, it's quite an interesting one. That one. It wasn't something I initially planned to. I've been involved in two startup companies uh, previously with other people, and basically, like often happens in life, I had a divorce. 
So I decided to have a divorce in 2004 from the company that I, I co-owned and decided to do my own thing. So at the time, it wasn't particularly a pleasant experience, but it sort of, it wasn't something I actually planned. It's, um, I, I did look at taking over another company, but in the end, um, setting up a, a business and, and third time lucky, off we went in 2004. Mm, often happens that way, doesn't it? You know, if you, if you finish one thing, you think, well, what am I going to do now? Well, 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 there's that classic saying, isn't it? One door shuts, another one opens. And mm. um, I, I do agree, as you know, uh, believe heavily in planning and planning and planning and planning. But in this instance, it, it just came about by chance. It just seemed that uh, the next thing to do, if I wasn't to take over an acquisition of another company, the next best thing was to start all over again. Mm. I think it's uh, the catalyst you need sometimes, isn't it, to... Um you know, to, to, to make that leap of faith, take that leap of faith to um, to work for yourself. Definitely. And I, I did find it quite difficult at the start because I've gone from a company with sort of over 40 employees to just start initially on my own and, and gradually built it up, as you know, over time. But it, I, I did find sort of mentally it's quite difficult going from a big team to, you know, working like a lot of uh, business owners do in the smaller companies, you know, almost in isolation a lot of the time. Mm, having to work a lot of working in the business stuff and having so much stuff to learn in working on the business when you've got a big team around you you've got support haven't you but then I suppose once it's, when it's you it's just right oh that's it so I've got every single hat on I'm, a, I'm the, the chief salesperson marketeer um, operational kind of people the, the the accounts department the HR department you're literally everything aren't you so, um, okay, so what did, what did it look like when you started then in terms of people, office, vehicles, jobs, work-life balance? You know, what, what was it like when you, day one? Um, obviously, it was very small. I, I was lucky I had a small setup at home, home office like a lot of companies do, keeping the overheads down. And I was fortunate to be able to rent a, a small plot at a commercial yard that was just around the corner. So the, the classic 20-foot container store and a skip and a little compound. And then the office uh, was at home, which which was good because um, there was a, a, a short commute to work every day. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, it always helps. It's nice when you start. There's some definite... Um pros in, in the early days and the overheads are low you know you don't have to travel very far but you, well, you, you, you mentioned the uh, Essex Business Award we won in 2007 one of the things that they really liked about that was from day one we kept overheads really really under control you know down to the bone mm-hmm. um, which was which, which was important so obviously as we know how many businesses fail in the first few years um, it was critical to do that and they commented on our control of costs and overheads was one of the main reasons we we were successful in that award yeah i think for anyone listening to this now i mean if you are in in, in business you know just come, gone into business now or whether you've been in business for a long time so important to keep a handle on those over especially at the moment with prices and costs of all sorts of things going up in the business you know to make sure that you really sort of have a lean ship um, definitely in the early days massive massive benefit to that so um okay so what does your business look like now so that's where you were what describes you to me now? What, what um, like? Now we've got uh, 42 staff. Um, the little site that I used to rent, we now own the four-acre site. Uh, we built our own offices here in 2015-16. Uh, so we've got purpose-built offices and operating centre. Put a further three buildings on the site for, for storage facilities and, and looking after our plant and equipment and have developed a, a small nursery holding area here. So it's grown tremendously since 2004. 
um, far exceeded my expectations too. Um, I think at the outset, if you just said to me in 2004, what was my dream business? I would have said, well, one and a half million turnover, mm. clear 10% net each year, nice, easy life, enjoy it, take it easy, crack on. I'd, I'd, I'd have been more than happy with that at the outset. But clearly things for one reason or another have grown a lot more than that. Yeah, done a, a phenomenal job. Really, really moved moved everything on. So it's not just about the landscaping side of the business now. You've got the yard, which is now a business in its own right, isn't it? You know, what yes. you get from that in terms of income and business on, on site. And uh, Yeah, we've got a lot of tenants now that rent um, property office and space. Um, and that's been quite good. That supports, you know, the, the, the main core business, which is clearly landscaping. But being in control of our site and having the room to develop and grow has been really, really important. So we we've never been constrained by anything going forward. Yeah. So so sticking to the landscaping side of the business now, then um, what would you say the most important elements are to running a successful business? People, in one word, I would say, um, as you know, we spent a lot of time developing the team, the culture, um, the whole structure of what um what's important to, to to a company and it's definitely always comes back to people mm-hmm. um so good staff and good clients as well i'd include clients in that as well obviously but generally with your staff um in the early days i was somebody that was always be led by somebody's cv uh when i was recruiting i think crikey this person's got a better cv than me they do a great job but over time as you know we've looked at things a lot more in greater depth on attitudes and behaviors of staff um, getting the culture right. What is what is what? What does an Oakview person look like? Mm. And now we recruit far more on the person than than their, the makeup of their skills or how impressive on paper their CV looks. Yeah, so so important, isn't it? And I know we've had so many conversations about it over the years, but you know the the fact that even your staff, even your team, will say that person's not an Oakview person. The, the fact that they refer to them as, oh, they're not Oakview, they're not Oakview, because in their mind, they know what Oakview represents and the kind of attitude, the values, the skills, the mindset, you know, and, and, and the, the work ethic, you know, that you stand out like a sore thumb if you ever are um, fortunate enough to slip through the net, which doesn't really tend to happen, does it? Because no. you know, it's so obvious if, if they're going to be a good fit or not, because you know you've defined what that culture is and you've defined what those values are. Yeah. Um, so, so important. I know people, whenever I've said to you about, oh, um, oh you've done so well, Paul, you'd always pull me up and say, no, 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 the team, Nick, the team has done Definitely. well. You know, you're, Definitely. it's so ingrained into you as a person that it's all about people. Yeah. And the fact that, um, you know, you, you look after them so well, I know you do, and, and you treat them like family. And, and you've gone now gone up to 42 people that still have that real sort of close-knit kind of culture, that, that feel um, that you care for each and every one of them, which is so important because if you do um, if you do genuinely care, people will, will want to work for you and they respect yeah. you. And it's a, it's, a, it's a two-way thing, isn't it? So it's definitely a two-way process. Well, well you'll know that um, in the industry, as in a lot of industries in the country now, you know, we're all um, struggling to recruit. So mm. I've always been very passionate about um, believing that if you pay, uh, you know, what they say, pay peanuts, you get monkeys sort of mm. thing, to coin mm. a phrase. But really, I think if you invest in your people and, you know, actually put systems and processes and training and just do a lot more and be a, be a, be a good employer, mm. um, that will take you forward. 
uh, very successfully because staff retention is so important. If you're constantly recruiting, 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 mm. and generally we're recruiting from the same pool, you know, as, as one goes out, one comes in, that's, that's a great time vampire on the business. So retaining your staff and developing them um, and then you haven't got to go through that whole recruitment process, which I think is a, a bane to any employer out there, really, at the moment. It's, it's very, very time-consuming and costly as well. You know? Yeah, financially and with time, very, very costly. Yeah. Isn't it? It's funny, it's a, very, it's, a, it's a common theme with all the people we, we've um, had on the, the podcast already. Um, it's, it, it does tend to come down to people, really does, and um, it's amazing. But it, whether, when people know that, they still know that, but it, they don't necessarily know, okay, it's all about getting the right people well how do you make your business an attractive company for people to want to come to work for for one and then how do you go about doing that how do you create values how do you create the culture that you that you would like to ideally have you know and it's they don't know where to go where to start so what would you say to that how, how if you if you're um, in someone's shoes now having not got that stuff in place what, what advice would you give to them but first thing i'd say is you have to be patient that won't happen overnight you you won't change your culture hopefully if you're a good employer, which I'm sure most of the people that be coming on here, if not all of them will be, is that, you know, you care about your company and you care about your people. So you're almost like you're always the halfway there. But it, it's, it's coming down with clearly defined values of, for the company that people embed in. And, you know, we talk about above or below the line um, and this sort of thing. And, mm-hmm. and just changing slight changes of attitude with people. Now, in the past, I've had some excellent employees uh, do fantastic landscaping work, but they're a little bit rough around the edges and this sort of thing. And, and when we're looking at appraising them and developing them and reviewing them and their personal development plans, we've tended to focus more of them as people, not, you know, it goes without saying they're brilliant landscapers, mm-hmm. do a fantastic job, but there's all these other softer interpersonal skills that are very important of how they're perceived when you're dealing with clients in certain situations. You know, do you, you know, throw your hands up in the air and, you know, get all the headstrong when something goes slightly wrong? Or you a bit more calm and measured and think, right, let's let's look at the best way of dealing with this, come up with a plan and move forward. Mm. So yeah, but that didn't change overnight. I think if you're if you're a good employer, good boss, good leader, hopefully you know you've got a lot of the right character traits to lead by example. And I know we spent time, one of the things I wanted to do was be a better employer. You know, I think you've got to continue learning. Um, keep working not just on your staff but obviously look at yourself how are you perceived by them but the one thing they'll follow is is your example if your example's good you know you're going to be three quarters of the way there and obviously you've got to practice what you preach as they as they say yeah well you know they're a reflection of you aren't they so you know if if, if the owner's not demonstrating then, then why should they be any different you know they say that if you keep doing what you've always done you get the results you've always got so in order to become a better leader or become better at anything you've got to learn new skills so if you don't know have the knowledge then once you get the knowledge things become easier but the trouble i think i or the the thing i find um, quite common not just in landscaping but in all industries is that people just don't necessarily recognize that they've got to learn and develop themselves to get better results and the business will only improve when the business owner improves and gets more knowledge you know definitely otherwise it just stays the same there's, there's lots of courses and things you can go on initially that um that you know, develop you as a person that might make you better to be a better uh, employer than, than than others. But you've still got to have this appetite for continuous learning. Yeah. Um, and I think there's no sort of thing you don't go and pick up a you know, do a course and then suddenly you're going to be a fantastic employer. And things change, situations change. And you picked up on it earlier. 
Nick, majority of companies started small. They weren't suddenly, you didn't have a massive company overnight. Mm. So when you start small, that employer, as you intimated with myself, you're, do, you're wearing about a dozen hats. You're doing everything, working all you know, 15 hour days, almost firefighting. It's quite, it's quite good fun because in the early days and you can see things developing, but it's almost organized chaos some of the time because that's, that's where you are, but you're, you're doing all, all, those, all those roles. But, you know, as the business grows, your skill level and your skill set and how you deal in situations is, has got to change and grow with it as well. Yeah, and it's not sustainable to do everything all the time, is it? And you will, you'll no. get get busier and busier and busier because you you get in a reputation and you know taking on more work, taking on more people, and they come. You get to a point where you, you can't do that, and it's not 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 viable to do it that way. No, it's, it? it's very important that um, as you get to a certain size, especially that you've got a defined structure in there with, with your team, so you know where you are. And as we've spent many a time discussing, you spend more time working on the business rather than in the business and that sort of things, getting yourself pulled up a bit further away so you can spend the time on those important parts. Yeah, I think, you know, we hear the, the that kind of expression, working on versus in uh, a lot. And, and I think when people truly get that the value the business owner brings to the business is when they work, spend their time, the majority of their time working on the business, when they truly understand how important that is, and what kind of stuff um, you'll be working on when you work on the business. At that point, that's when the business grows. Because when, as soon as you work in the business, you might as well press pause on your business development. Until you get off the tools or stop having a job within your own business, the business doesn't move on. It only moves on when you can yeah. start to work on it to develop it to the next level. I definitely agree with that. And also, I think what you actually do is you stifle the people that are on the next tier below you or the people around you. Mm. Because if you're constantly getting involved, meddling and, and, and dealing with what they should be dealing with, you know, it's almost in a way like you don't almost trust them or something like that. And it's only when sometimes you give people that responsibility and that, you know, that's your area and empower them to start making decisions. And, you know, there's, as, as we all know, there's an element of risk taking in everything we do in business, but you can't, you can't stifle the business by holding everyone back. Otherwise you're actually a detriment to the business. You're not going to be a strength for it at all. Mm, I think that's a really important word that empowerment. I think is the, is the key thing. When you empower people and you trust them to do a good job, and yeah, they might make the odd mistake here and there, only then will, will they grow. And they may surprise you, they may surprise themselves. And often, very often, more often than not, in fact, they flourish and do well. And, and, and I think as a business owner, when, when you start the business, I think you had this, and I think most people do, it's your baby, isn't it? And it's like handing your baby over to someone else and trusting them that they're not going to drop it and drop the ball, if you like. And uh, I think um, a lot of people are maybe a bit, a bit scared of that. Definitely. But with, with experience and, and life, I think you get a little bit more risk averse. You're actually, we'll do that. As you said, you, you know, you, you make mistakes, but these the mistakes that are made, as long as they're a learning exercise and you move on from them, people generally don't make mistakes on purpose. No. Uh, but they're not catastrophic mistakes either. You know, no, that's one thing. I think, right, I've learned by that. And, that, and we've all done that. You know, that's the classic is fail your way to success, isn't it? This sort of thing. Not, not that hopefully we've done that, but a lot of people have, you know. Um, but you've, you have to trust that. And I suppose 20 years ago, a situation like that would, oh, oh I'll be all, you know, hit up about it and think, oh, blimey, what's going on? I knew I, sh knew I shouldn't have given it to that person. But then you soon realise that, you know, that, that's not the way. Otherwise, you're just going to burn yourself out 
not, and you know, you're not going to have a structure. And, and, and you say you need to, as I said earlier, empower people to take the responsibility mm. and grow with you. Otherwise, you, you're not going to develop develop that team. Mm. I think one of the um, generalised principles we work on with Action Coach, Action Coach, is um, um, 100% participation. You know, um, always got to keep keep working hard. You got to keep. Um, doing the things that, that you need to do to to move forward and um you know you, you've got to participate the only failure in life is the failure to participate and the, the trouble is i think too many people are scared to make a mistake and like you say you fail your way to success thomas edison um if, if you remember the story not remember back you know at the time um they said that he he failed twelve thousand times when trying to invent the light bulb. Yeah, um, and he didn't give up. He, and he said, no, "No, no, I didn't fail. I just found eleven thousand nine hundred ninety nine ways of how not to make a light bulb." <laughs> so Definitely. every single time yeah. he failed in, in inverted commas, actually just got that much closer to finding the right solution. It's the same yeah. in your team. We've got these six keys to a winning team, and the fifth one is supporting risk taking. And if you don't, Definitely. and you're too protective, and you don't want to give people that 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 um, empowerment and you want to sort of control people then people will be too scared to do anything and step out of their remit because if they do they may think that they're going to get you know uh, told off and um, you know and, and reprimanded in some way or even lose their job yeah, there's, there's definitely you know a fear of a lot of people are a failure but as i think you know i'd much rather be challenged on something the, the bigger the challenge the more i'm up for it really um and i, I really think you can do that and as long as you plan and you work in a systemized way and you've got procedures and processes in, in place so you, you're setting the ground rules up and working to those um you, you're minimizing risk all the time but without taking risk and calculating risk we wouldn't do anything we wouldn't be where we are today yeah, i think that's so important and it, it's it's all very well having great people but you can't just have great people and let them run amok in your business. You've got to have systems, processes, ways of working. This is how we do things here at Oakview Landscapes. You know, this is this is what we do at this stage. And then this is yes. what we do at that stage. And this is how we do this at this stage. This is the Oakview way. Um, if there's nothing to come into, then there will be chaos and great people will leave, you know, because of yeah, that. I, I, I totally agree with that. And I suppose, as I said earlier, the fact that I'd come from two business startups earlier, when I look back, I looked at those as like an apprenticeship going forward. So I learned an awful lot of, of some of the things of not what to do, you know, there, but then, you know, the, the, the failures and things that went wrong there. Obviously, I learned by those. And it's being third time lucky um, and being out there again. What I tried to do was put the bigger thinking into the a small company from the outset. So those processes were put in place when we were very small and we only had sort of 10 people on board. So that was a natural progression. I, and I always think, try and think, try and think big, think bigger mm. uh, in a, even in a smaller company because one day that small company won't be small, it's going to grow and, and keep going and put those systems and processes in place early so that they become embedded and then it helps you grow, definitely. Yeah, I think if, if you're a person listening to this or watching this podcast now and you're you're five people you've got 10 people in the business and you don't have maybe the systems and processes in place and that'll be a good place to start um, that's obviously what we work on the systemology side of, of our business which is about defining that and making sure that those steps are in, in there so people are just doing things in a consistent way and that's all you want to do but a lot of companies don't necessarily have that way if they do have that way might not be set out very clearly people may not be trained 
on that system. So if you don't have that system, I think like you did from the start there is to, to define what that process is or what those yeah. steps are, which is great. Um, okay, marvellous. So um, what are the biggest mistakes or maybe the lessons that you've learned in your all your years of being in business? Um, biggest mistakes are, are quite an interesting one. So um, I haven't, to be honest, I thought about that earlier. I, I can't, that sounds almost sounds like a bit egotistical, but there's there's been mistakes along the way, obviously. But I, I, I think I more like look at lessons learned, I think, because they can eliminate a lot of those mistakes. And the one thing, a couple of things I've always said is 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 like taking advice and having um, uh, business mentors. Um, obviously, that's how we got involved. If you look back the 10 years, it was actually 2012. So we, we tried 10 years to get that. You'll recall that we come out of the recession. Um, business was pretty static, wasn't growing. Um, I felt we were at a crossroads, so I wanted to go across the road and up the hill. And I've been looking for about two years to find the right sort of business coach and mentor. And bringing that on, I think, was a real success because you know, the proofs in the pudding, we're still working together now 10 years on. Um, so I haven't, I haven't seen that as part of a journey where you get to the destination and then it's over. It's still continuing to grow. And... Uh, while the successes are still there, if it isn't broken, why try and fix it? Let's keep this keep this going. And that's been really valuable. And that's just review. But I also say from an industry point of view, we're very fortunate. We work in, I think, a fantastic industry where you've got great competition, but there's all good competition, but people share advice. There's a number of people I know that I can pick up the phone to or send an email to, to if I've got a challenge or a problem. But that's because I've been in the industry for a long time and, and through uh, Barley, uh, uh, the British Association of Landscape Industries, through the contacts there, I've formed so many great contacts who've become really good personal friends over the years. And when you build that sort of network of people, um, they're invaluable to get hold of to actually find information from. And as I said earlier, you just never stop learning. So for me personally, 10 years ago, I wanted something where I could have a business mentor, um, a coach. Um, I used to play a lot of sports. So I relate to sports coaching. Business and sport are so common. You know, there's so many crossovers where you can see a lot of commonality. And it just made total sense to me. And as you know, the, the, the proofs in the pudding from the results and the way the business has grown. Mm. So I suppose your advice there is, is, is to, if people have got, I don't know, issues or problems or whatever, then there's so many people within the industry. So, so other people that maybe have been there, done that and had the same challenge and come out the other side, but also to get some kind of business coach yes. or mentor, someone that you can you can talk to. Yeah. And, and especially if you go through trade associations, as I say, like Bali, the APL, mm. uh, Society of Garden Designers, all these things, they all have network, they're cluster groups, meeting groups. Yeah. And you know, that was my first involvement as a student was with mm. Bali in 1986. And I met some great people there at the first meeting. And I was blown away at how much information you could pick up just sitting around the table for a couple of hours. Yeah. As time's gone on, you know, I've, I've sat around the table with other contractors and we're, we're having a chat and we realise we're pricing the, you know, the same job, the three of us, and this sort of thing, which is always quite good fun as well. But, yeah. you know, there's there's no malice or anything there. People look at it and think, look, if you, if you found a better way of doing it for a better price, good luck, you know, and, and people work together. It's the poor competition in the industry we don't like, where it's poor work and, and this sort of thing. And, you know, but when you, know, you, you need good competition, that's really healthy for, for everyone yeah no, very true very true so um 
What um, can you think of any sort of major setbacks or biggest challenges of obstacles you've had? Um, Maybe in the last I, couple I, of years. I think the setbacks, the biggest setbacks for, for for me since I've been at Oakview have been things that I haven't been able to control. The external factors, and you just have to let them go. But you have to plan with them. Obviously, the recession, uh, the recession as you know, knocked me really sideways because we were from 2004 up to 2008-9, we were on a really good growth, but everything in the garden was was fantastic. And then, bang, my, my accountant told me that, you know, that when it happens, you'll know, it'd be like hitting a brick wall, and it really was. Mm. What I didn't anticipate at the time was being a finishing trade in construction, everyone else was going into recession a lot quicker than us. So for about nine months, I'm thinking, well, what recession? We're flying. And he, as I said, he said, you'll know when it hits. And it hit that October. And that was like falling off the edge of a cliff. So then dealing with, you know, redundancies, you know, shrinking the company. We introduced a four-day week to protect other jobs. And it, it was just horrible. I think um, that's any... Uh, employers a sort of nightmare it really is you know when you've got people pleading for their jobs and you know you've got to reduce your headcount because there isn't the work there that that's that's not a nice nice situation to be in mm. and then of course there's the the dreaded uh, covid that came along exactly the same sort of way when all businesses were flying and everything was going really well again something you couldn't control but i think if anything at the outset for the first sort of month of it cut the covid as you know from our working groups that we were doing last sessions, I, I think I was more stressful than a recession actually, because mm. it was the unknown on the unknown. And you know, to have clients phoning up when you've furloughed everyone to get your head straight and get your systems in place, and they say, Oh, you your construction, you're supposed to be working. I think it's supposed to be working. Have you watched the news? You know, we're supposed to be, you know, stay at home, save the NHS, but the good old construction sector can go to work. And mm. that was that was that was terrible as well. But Mm. Uh, in fairness going back to the team the resilience of the team through that we put plans in place um furloughed all the staff for three weeks then gradually after three weeks started bring them back bring them all back so by the first of july that year we we had everyone back and we're working safely and um we've had, we had no covid cases uh through through work you know, there were the few that we did have came externally outside of work so we did protect the workforce we did work safely but again, the, the the way the whole team adapted to the, to the challenge of that and what we were trying to do to work safely um, was um, well, made me very proud, but very stressful at the time as well. Yeah. So it's like you know, you you said earlier you you plan and you plan and you plan, and I don't I've never met anyone that that's as disciplined like a machine. Um, in terms of how routine, you know, you stick to your your planning, you stick mm. to the plan itself, you, you, you always do it on time, you follow it, you look at it, you review it regularly. But with things that are outside of your control, you can't actually plan no. for that and you can't, but you've got to sort of just sort of negotiate your way through that. And I think people, um, everything, everyone can be a great business owner when everything's going well, but you don't, you don't really learn much about yourself when things are going really, really well because you know, you don't need, there's not many challenges, but I think it's, it's it, through times of, of extreme sort of conditions and crisis, you learn a lot about yourself and about others and, and you become a lot more resilient and bulletproof as a business owner. And that's a, that's a common theme with other people we spoke to yeah. on, on this, this show. Um, and I think it's the same with any industry, with any business in any country, you know, the, 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 the more tough times you have, the better 
business yeah. person you become and you learn and, a lot more and on that as you know obviously the third one i would say is obviously putting in is the the loss of, uh, of jackie jenner our operations director just before christmas after a mm-hmm. short illness which again is something we're all going to face in life um whether it's personal when it's a uh, you know, a good personal friend as well as somebody who's been instrumental in, in growing the business with myself and Matt and the rest of the, the senior team as, as well as everyone outside nothing can prepare you for that either and um, you know it's been it's been a tough six months but again we're planning in time um, you know we we owe that legacy to go forwards to, to Jackie as you know on that side of things but again these these challenges come up, but I'd say the ones that hit you the hardest, the ones that you you feel like, as you said, you can't really control, you've, you've almost got to accept that's what it is. Mm. Right, what's the best we can do? What is the damage limitation? How can we how do we play this? And it, it, it's that uncertainty and unknown. And when you're planning and you've got everything else under control, that, that can be quite unnerving. Yeah. But the support networks and the groups around you that I touched on earlier, then again, they come into play because we're, we're all in the same boat. You're not, you're not in isolation. You might feel like you are as a business owner, but you're not. They're, everyone's in the same group and majority are often far worse off than you are. But, you know, you, you've got to pull together. People, people think it's, you know, it's just them. Uh, and I, I speak to a lot of business owners, obviously, because of my role. Um, and But people are in their business and they think everyone else is doing well because everyone on social media is showing them all the good stuff. You know, it's just like in people's personal lives. You only see the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, don't be, don't be afraid to, to reach out to people and ask people because being a business owner can be a very lonely old place, as you know. And I Definitely. think the more you can speak to other people, they'll probably be able to help you and definitely yeah. empathize with you so so one great bit of advice there paul yeah use your contacts use people with industry use your friends um because you know they're probably going through or have been through similar yeah. kind of situations to you okay so moving on um here's a a specific question for you then what three tips would you suggest to improve a, a landscape business uh, the efficiencies and profits of a landscape business. If there were three things, and there may be more, if there are more, then please. Three things to improve the profitability. Yeah. An interesting one. Um, first one, I'd say what every business should do on a regular base is look at your overheads uh, on, on, on anything where you can make uh, a good saving on there, even a small saving across the board on things. Yeah. You know, uh, that's a, a standard thing that we do on a regular basis. It is getting harder, but it's getting more and more important at the moment. We touched on that earlier. Mm. Um, I think potentially other ways could be looking at ways where you can incentivize people more. You know, okay. performance-related stuff. I, I I believe in giving back across the board. So we have profit-related bonuses to staff at all levels. It just makes them think a little bit more, you know, and I try and get them to focus on when they are purchasing. You know, did you did you did you just place one order, or did you get three three quotes? Did you see if you're buying the same product and it's you know it's a, a British standard product or something? You know, there's going to be a variance in price. Um, so just spending that time on due diligence of that, and also I think looking at various ways where you where you can work smarter too, where there's things where you can get marginal gains. Um, one of the things we've been trying to do was um, as we've grown and, the, the, and got become more successful, we shrunk our operating area. We used to be a bit all conquering and not really seem to mind where we were traveling to. But when I discussed things with, with staff, they said that if I asked them one question, what they least like about the job is to travel. 
stuff. Mm. They love doing the work. Mm. So what with the cost of fuel and, and that factor in mind and everything going on in our, our, our environmental uh, footprint, we've really shrunk our operational area and we found mm. that we're still growing. There's, there's enough work in that. But I, I suppose... I think we really expanded our operational area when we were coming out of recession. It, 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 you, you chase work then, don't you? Yeah. Just trying to keep keep control of things and looking at looking at things, um, for, you know, in detail, the small things. Because a lot of little, small and minor changes will will add up, as we know, to quite an impact on the bottom line. Mm. The law of marginal gains. So little wins yeah. everywhere. They multiply out a lot at the end of the year. And I think, yeah, it's important. It's good to sometimes stop the bus sometimes and think, right, where are we? What, what, you know, that's how we did business then because we were coming out of recession. We wanted to go for all that. But what's 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 the most efficient, the most profitable kind of way of operating now? You know, yeah. what, what kind of work do we want? What kind of clients do we want? How do we grade the clients? Where are they? What areas do we want? You know, because the fuel, your fuel bill, fuel bill now has gone through the roof, hasn't it? I mean, it's yeah. just unbelievable. It's gone up 45% from where it was at the beginning of the year. Yeah, and it's the same for everyone, isn't it? Yeah. It's the same for everyone. So, so I think now more so than ever, people are looking at how to, you know, be more efficient. How can they save money? How can they be, work more efficiently? You know, what systems and processes can we put in place? How can we train our people to do that and follow those? How to make less mistakes? How to finish on time, on budget, on spec? You know, all those things now are under the microscope. You think, right, okay, now I've got to do it because I've got no alternative. Whereas maybe they should have been doing that all along but it's only when times you know get tough then people yeah. do actually think oh we're going to cut our cloth like I said, it's, they're things that we review as you know regularly anyway mm. um so but so it's best to have done it regularly rather than wait till you've got a real problem and think oh well, what should we do let's have a look at that because the problem could be embedded by then so yeah. it's a regular review of those sort of things it, it's very important yeah okay so um moving on because um we like i talk to you all day paul it's um you know, but, but you know, we've got we've got a certain amount of time to, to get through some of these questions. So um, I've got a couple of other questions that I want to get through um, before we say goodbye. Um, but one one piece of advice, you know, what what advice would you give to someone who's got a landscape business at the moment is a little bit stuck, wants to expand but don't know what steps to take to get to that next level. I like this one. You know, what, what did I do ten years ago, Nick? You know, so yeah. <laughs> Clearly, um, I, I wonder why you asked me to come on this, but now I know. Uh, <laughs> the loaded, the million-dollar question is, uh, from from my point of view, is clearly is to get you know some professional business advice and coaching and that sort of thing. Um, as you know, as I said earlier, I, I've been looking for a couple of years, and you know, it's finding not just a bit like your staff is the right person. So there's plenty of people out there that sell you some kind of dream package that's going to do wonderful things for your business. But number one, you, you need to have some affinity with that person and feel that you could work with them. Mm. And I know I was your first client in the landscape industry and now you've got you know, several clients in the, the wider landscape industry as, as a result of that and mm. the way that sort of developed. So not only do you tick the boxes in terms of, of being a good business coach and developing it you also got great industry sector knowledge which again is, is second to none because the, you, you're quite you are becoming unique to our to our sector which helps and you know when i look back and it is it's clear as well as developing and growing the team you played an instrumental part in in helping us get to where we are today hence we're still working closely together yeah, and, and I have not paid you to say any of those things. That was lovely. I did laugh. I was trying not to laugh when you asked me that question. Yeah, no, yeah. Look, 
it's funny because that's that's a perception you have from that question but i've asked that obviously to other people and they they look at it a different way but from your perspective that's that's mm. clearly um because you've been there and you've, you've you can only just you can only describe what works for you you know and, and and yeah as i said on the person maybe if i got a different coach or a different person who had a different style and didn't get the same rapport that we've got over the years because again a bit like a lot of the people in the industry that have become really good friends of mine. You've become a really good friend over these years. You're not just somebody that you know, works, works. You know, you work for me or anything like that. We we develop that that relationship over those ten years, and you have not just with me, but with the rest of the team and and the yeah. staff. And the, you know, when you see the guys outside and things like that, and I, I think that that's that's really important. And as you say when you think ten years, you know. 10 years in business has gone just like that, hasn't it? And I'm sure the next 10 years go just as quick. Yeah. But that is, that's important. It's, it's getting the right person, the right blend. But mm. especially when you are a sole owner of a company, even with the team around you, to have somebody external outside that you can bat things about in a professional way mm. who might look at something and say, well, you know, have I reacted right, rightly to that situation? What, what would you do there? And that experience, I just think that's invaluable. Mm. It, just, it just really is. And it's like kept me sane over the last 10 years as well from times, you know, with some of these things. And they said the stuff we did when COVID uh, hit with the group and things like that, I know, and that's, that's businesses across it. We all have the same problem, but to be able to uh, go on zoom in the big meetings we have and discuss things and throw things out there. Um, I, I just think you can learn so much like that. I think it's, it's brilliant. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm, as you know, always interested in giving back, giving back to the industry, to, you know, young people, students, other companies. Um, I, I love it. I think anything where you can help somebody else because other people do that for you, it's reciprocated. Yeah, and that's why we're doing this podcast. That's why you're on the podcast. And that's why, you know, we want everyone to to, to share other people's experiences from, from people that have been there and done it and who, who are vastly experienced. So that's why we're inviting all the best of the best onto this show. Um, you being one of them, obviously. So one final question then. So... Um, so many great answers so many great um, nuggets that you've got but if there was just one golden nugget that you could give to anybody trying to build their business from all your years of experience apart from getting a coach what would it be um i would say really work on the people i started with people and the team Mm. um there's that saying about making sure you've got the right people on the bus isn't it because if you haven't as we know, you can have all sorts of problems. And in my earlier days, you know, I did have a few people that weren't what I now definitely weren't OPU people. And you didn't realise how much of a problem that causes um, the business. A lot of your great people, they won't, they won't even mention it. They just mm. almost ignore it, give them a wide berth. But if you've got a square peg in a round hole and, that, and they're, they're obstructive, they're not putting together as part of the team, it's a bit like a Kevin Peterson situation with the England cricket team. You can be the best batsman in the world, but if you're a pain to the rest of everyone else and you're causing so much disruption, you haven't got a team, have you? Mm. So I think my biggest thing is really focus on the team and developing the team and always wherever you can, where you've got people in specialist roles, employ people who can do the role better than you can. At the end of the day, you're, you're there as the business owner, the managing director, the chief executive. That's your role and your responsibilities. But your skill is also is getting the right people in those positions and letting them develop and shine. You don't have to be the best accountant, but you want the best accounts person in there, for example. Mm. So 
as you said earlier, and we've gone back to people, we've gone back to the team, everything comes back to that. And without the team, I wouldn't be here speaking to you today. And that's, you know, I don't say that lightly. And I think if all good business owners were honest, they would be saying much the same as well. Um, But that's that's just my personal view on that one. Yeah, that's really good. I mean, they say that... um, you know, the um, your people are your best assets. They right? are, they really are, and they are if they're great. But if they're yeah. not, they're your they're your biggest but, nightmare. <laughs> but if they're if they're not, Nick, as well, you you can't just ignore uh, you know, poor conduct behaviour, even if it, it seems quite sort of just a quiet word, pull them up on it. Mm. You know, ten years ago, things would have gone on that you I, I just turned a blind eye to that, or I just let that. Oh, oh, that's just so and so. Well, that's not good enough, is it? Like, no. Oh, hold on a minute, and then uh, my my style is a, a quiet word. Don't want it to go any further. This yeah. is it. Take yeah. it on board. Act upon it. And I don't want to come back to it. If I've then got to come back to it, or one of my other directors or managers has, then you've got to take it up a level. But my experience is usually that little chat, weren't happy with that, put that across to them, and then it's taken on board. Yeah. But again, yeah. that's, you know, with the right people, that, you know, they're, they're all pulling together, aren't we? Yeah. Well, it's developing, you know, you develop those sort of leadership skills over the years, don't you? How to deal with those as opposed to just let them go because you want to avoid the conflict. And, you know, a lot of people are the same. You know, don't like that sort of uncomfortable yeah. kind of but situation. No, nice, so, generally, yeah. nice people don't like conflict. But that doesn't, that doesn't, the problem doesn't go away. No, it doesn't it just manifest. It gets worse. But it's, it's the effect it has on other people. You don't, and you don't actually realise until you've actually dealt with it. Oh, whole crikey, I wish I'd have known that. I'd have dealt with this a year ago, sort of thing. Yeah, Whereas yeah. You, know, well, you end up losing important. your best people, won't you? You end up losing your best people because if you don't do anything about that, exactly. Person, you know, you've got, you've got, you. you've got to look after them. It's, it's that respect. It's that two-way relationship. You know, yes, we've all got to go to work, yeah. but let's try and let's try and enjoy the journey. You know, the, the majority of the time, make it a, a great environment to work in, and and you know, look after each other. You know, the world's tough out there, especially at the moment with everything else that's going on. You know, from we've gone from, you know. Brexit, COVID, you now look at this Ukraine, that, you know, what's going on in the world? We're in a mad world. So the more we can do to look after each other and, and try and make life a bit easier for each other and go forward. I can't think of a better way to end the call. So that was a very uh, philosophical and um, very important uh, piece of advice. Um, so if people want to get in touch with you, Paul, um, how could they do? What's the best way to get in touch? Uh, best ways, either, either email or phone. Um, Paul at oakviewlandscapes.co.uk. Uh, can come by yourself, Nick, to me if, if they need any further details. Yeah. Um, I'm always at the end of the phone too, so I'm about um, I'm there. So yeah, more than happy if anyone wants to ask anything at any time. Um, more than happy to help. So yeah, abundant as always. Push, let's keep pushing this great industry forward. As a it's quite an opportune time as everyone's busy building away at Chelsea at the moment too, isn't it? Too. Right. So. Yeah, yeah. I'll be there in a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, thank you so much, Paul. Really appreciate your, your time, your wisdom, your effort. Um, and I'll catch up with you on our call tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon. Look forward to it, Nick. Thanks <laughs> very much. Take care. See Goodbye. you later. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Grow Landscapers podcast. To get in touch and see how we can help you with your business by emailing nick at nickruddle.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.